Okay, I think we will start and if people come on, they come on. So hello everybody and welcome. Thank you for joining the photo book book group for 28 rounds of um, opening up creative practice and talking about creative choice, decision-making, the challenges, sharing resources. So thank you for being here. I'm Sibylla Smith. Um, and part of what happens here is we have unscripted conversations. And from there, we will follow up tomorrow. We are recording this. Um, we give you a summary of some of the resources that do come out of the conversation because we had to capture that. There was so much going on and it's always new. We don't actually know what's gonna come up in conversation. So if you haven't already been on a photo book book group, please go to my website and look at the others because they are a deep dive into a wide, wide variety of uh, image makers from all over. Um, and at all stages, uh, and most of them are around a book, but that could be with experience or brand new out of the shop uh, bookmakers. And um, one thing I like to do is to ask to um, support those of us who are all about amplifying um, Photography, so I appreciate if you sign up for my newsletter, if you shout out about this, circle back, say it was good, why, um, and let other people know about it. And also to explore um, nonprofits, and not just in your own country of uh, where you're living or uh, not, because nonprofits from the LA Center for Photography to the Griffin Museum of Photography are all over the United States, all over different countries, and their price of admission is so low and it means so much to expand uh, the conversation on contemporary photography. So that's my spiel. Um, so two things. Um, we are going to um, open up the conversation and I really wanted to frame this one with intention. So I do have more of an introduction maybe than normal. Um, and I don't go into a long bio on my photographers because sometimes you know the person and certainly there's ways to find out what award-winning people have been on here. Um, that's not the focus. So bear with me as I try to lay a firm foundation um, because what we're talking about is really the first time, at least in my history of what I've covered, um, that this subject of erotic photography is, uh, is a first for us on this platform. Um, secondly, um, I have a PDF of both books that are on pre-order, Paris and Polaroids, and we'll take a look at those, but I want to leave plenty of time for questions and people can unmute and ask them and we can kind of um, look at some of these uh, issues that intersect and that are actually evolving because I think that that's the um, the beauty of this platform and it's really the purpose of it. So it's not to say here's the answer and here's how to think. It's really um, if we leave you with more questions then I've done my job. So I'm going to read because a lot of these, a few of these frames are quotes. So here I go. Um, beginning with studies at ICP, the International Center of Photography and Maine Media, to be a photojournalist, Renee Jacobs broke ground with her passion for protecting both citizens and the environment with slow burn in the 1980s. She turned her focus to impact change by becoming a civil rights and constitutional lawyer, which she practiced actively for 15 years. In 2006, she returned to photography. And as we will hear and see, 
she used photography to assimilate her identities. In 2006, she began her exploration of erotic photography with the female nude as subject, and most importantly, as co-collaborator. Jacobs brings sensuality, allure, unabashed lust, and poetry into her black and white images. Her images can be intense, they can be titillating, and at times quite witty. She shares a personal vision of femininity, of the female gaze, of women, and desire. As a lesbian, her exploration is deeply entwined with self-expression, using her image making to seek answers to very personal questions. And as she questions, as her questions evolved, so did her work. I met Renee in Paris when she exhibited at Photo Fever, a concurrent art fair with Paris Photo. I think it was three or four years ago, the first one. Um, I was introduced to her wife, Wendy Hicks, and learned of their newly formed photo organization, Photo de Femme. I attended her solo exhibition, which was included in Sinners, an event revealing how three artists explore and elevate the body as subject. And that was in the Marais more recently, I think 2019, I believe. Um, right now, she's pre-releasing two monographs back to back. Paris is in its second printing because the first sold out. And it just happens to be concurrent with the pre-sale of Polaroids. Our focus today is on Polaroids, um, which I was uh, corrected was mostly shot in the United States with only a few European destinations. So I wanted to frame the conversation. One of the people I'm quoting is who wrote the um, intro to um, the book, Renee Jacobs, Paris. And that's Professor John Wood, who is a very decorated poet. Um, he's no longer with us, but this is what he says. And I quote, and I've kind of pulled together a few different pieces of what he said into one paragraph. Jacobs' depiction of femininity is both an ancient and a modern one, of women of free spirit, as free as any man. Like Romaine Brooks, Jacobs presents formal elegance, desire, and beauty, all coupled within the allure of sexual magic. The joy sings through Jacobs's lens. Erotic art, remains aesthetically compelling and sexually stimulating. The captured erotic instant must be so caught that the fire of passion burns through time and circumstance. The sexual drive is sacred, consuming, often omnivorous and personal." End quote. Then, Oh, I didn't end the quote, sorry, ended the page. He keeps going. He says, much of the joy of erotic art, especially erotic photography, is that it is a gift to us from the artist and the model, a gift of the emotion inherent in it. I'd love to underline that. I'll just say it again, a gift of the emotion inherent in it. 
the work inspired, and this is not a quote, but it actually inspired him to write a poem for his grandsons. And I just take the last line, which was quite amazing. Be captive to your body's lusts. The greatest needs demand the greatest trusts. Hard to say, but really quite compelling. Um, then I just have a couple more quotes. Um, Douglas and Francois Kirkland wrote, and this is a quote, Rene Jacobs' work is the result of a very personal vision and interpretation of women. The female form is her intimate sketch pad. Life is a dream and Rene treats us to exquisite images that are a magical feast for the eyes of the beholder. With her work, you are walking past an open door and witnessing beauty apparitions and fantasies, their story is left to your imagination. Leafing through the pages, you become a voyeur. You experience a guilty pleasure, un léger frisson, which means a chill or a shudder, catching a glimpse of forbidden private moments. And her publisher, Alexander Schultz from Gallery Vevey writes, Renee Jacobs' photos are new in many dimensions. Hers is not a simple erotic picture book from Paris, not a new version of just another erotic book, not a new nude book, and not a new art project of the nude. This book is the very example of a photographer of the female nude who has a social vision, a vision of freedom, secrets, desires, fantasies, dreams, and liberty. Her subjects give Renee their trust, and the result is a collaborative journey which fulfills fantasies, reveals outrageous seductions, and most importantly, expresses the power of women." End quote. And lastly, Richard Meyer in Art and Queer Culture, which we'll put in the resources, and is a really, really good book, first of its kind, of that kind of overview. Richard Meyer quotes, the history of lesbian culture hovers between visibility and erasure, resolution and apparition. Today, we welcome Renee from the home she shares with Wendy in Southern France. We want to unpack her journey into erotic photography, the challenges, the choices, and the celebrations. We will discuss publishing and how she came to publish with Alexander Schultz of Gallery Vevey. We will leave a good amount of time for your questions and to engage in conversation. During a recent call, Wendy shared her succinct frame of view, which I believe is foundational to her work. Renee says, you can choose one, erasure, exploitation, or empowerment. So with that, I open it up to you, Renee, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, I, I don't know what else I can say. I, I'm so touched. <laughs> it's apero time in, in, in France. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just stunned by the, the kindness. And Sib, your, your kind and, and generous heart. In, oh. in, in not not just the introduction, not, which which was just took my breath away, but 
just having this discussion because you're choosing empowerment. So as I, the three E's, erasure, exploitation, or empowerment. And it's incredibly kind and generous of, of your heart to, to do this. It's well, it's necessary and it's the true history. So, you know, I think um, uh, it was in the full introduction, John Wood was like, okay, this didn't just happen in the last 50 years. Like the history of art has included lesbian art. Um, and I actually have as one of our um, resources is Joan Bidden's work which she put together and took on the road. It's called The Dyke Show, lesbian right. images and photo from 1850 to the present. And she yeah. did that in 80 places in the United States. So, so yeah, so you are part of the retelling and I'm bummed about the Aperol because that's like my fave. And I did well, say I mean, one of our- a, a cremant, but it's, it's, I can tell you the most important thing about living in France. Okay, th th this is great. Every single, bottle of sparkling anything, this is important. It's always six twists. One, nice. two, three, four, five, six. That's it, that's all you need to live in France. Now now you're set, we're set, it's, it's, it's all good. All right, I'm trying it out. <laughs> and yeah, I said bring your own bubbly on one of our correspondents and I failed to do that, but it is noon. But it has been noon, we have pulled out two up, we have a, we have a women-run wine bar called Rebel Rebel around the corner, and we did have some liquid lunches to speak of, and they did include bubbly. But where should we jump in? Because I think it's really interesting to hear just a little bit about that circuitous route. That and 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 really, I mean, I did open up the reality that your own exploration of yourself is completely intertwined with this. So I think just starting there for a minute would be would be useful. Like you slow burn. I mean, it was just shown in 2020 at Duke, right? 2019. Yeah. It actually, right after Sinner, right after Perry Photo, we went from Paris to uh, to Duke for the exhibit and and a talk on slow burn. But yeah. That was in 1986, the book, the book originally came out. And I just posted on my Instagram yesterday, a photo that someone had taken of me, a very intense looking 22 year old. I, it, it's it's the, the Dylan lyric, you know, I, I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. Mm. I was a serious little kid. And, 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 and mostly because I was so repressed, you know, I, I knew, things were going on and I was just going to be the best, the best little girl I could, you know, and I was going to do all the things that I was supposed to do. And I was going to care about this and that and the other thing and, and, and deep dive intensely into all sorts of things that weren't me. Um, but uh, I, I went uh, right after college and I lived in Centralia, Pennsylvania, which was the town with the underground mine fire. And I lived there for about six months, right in the impact zone where the underground fire was coming up the most and uh, continued to go back and work on that uh, book for three years. And it came out. And uh, I, as a result of that and, and getting very, very interested in environmental issues, 
I ended up getting a scholarship and going to Portland, Oregon to study environmental law. Um, the law school there is one of the best environmental law schools in the country. But I, I ended up not practicing environmental law and instead I went into civil rights and constitutional litigation again to, to be the, the best human I could be and, and just deep dive into everything else um, other than myself. And, uh, and I did. Well, I guess I think a lot of people contribute on the road to denial, right? <laughs> a lot of hard work because it's easier to put it out there than it is to do the interior. But when they do switch that lens, yeah, stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I switched the lens and, and, and then the lens switched me. You know, it, was, mm -hmm. it was very, very much an organic moving forward um, in terms of understanding things emotionally, visually. Yeah, mm -hmm. there, as, as you said, there's a lot to unpack in the journey. And so, I mean, that was pretty bold when you decided to go, you kind of like dove into the deep end. What, what do you think made erotic art the focus? Well, I, when, I, when I stopped practicing law in about 2006, uh, I started out taking sort of your, your basic bodyscape, headless nudes that so many people do and, and start with, and that's sort of the, the gateway drug to, uh, to other types of photography, but it's, such a standard um, for so many photographers. It's, it reminds me in the, in the movie Lost in Translation, Scarlett Johansson says, you know, doesn't, doesn't every woman have a photography phase or you know, something like that? And it, doesn't, doesn't every photographer have a nudes phase or you know, a, a nude self-portrait phase or, you know, so I, I, was, I was doing my, my nude phase. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I very quickly understood that as I started to expose myself more to what was out there and, and what type of work people were doing, you know, I saw that that, uh, that was being done a lot. Um, and I explored the ideas and the concepts behind it by doing things like going and interviewing uh, Karis Wilson, who was Edward Weston's uh, wife and muse, not long before she died, and gained tremendous insight about that sort of those sorts of nudes. And I, I had my first uh, nude monograph uh, published and they were lovely, lovely photographs and they got a very lovely reception. But in the making of that book, I started to do a little more erotic work and I was very quickly told, if you want a career as an art photographer, you better stop that. And you, I was given a list of, I went from that book into starting to shoot for the Paris book. And I was told, I, I was given a list of about 20, 25 photographs and told, if you ever publish these images, your career will be over. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't do this. Um, and I was also told to stay in the closet. Uh, you know, I, I was told that in my law career, I was told that in so many different ways, so many different times. But when I was told it as a photographer that I should keep my sexual orientation 
on, on the DL and that of any of my models, because otherwise it was impinging on the collector's desires of access and, and so on. That really was a trigger. Um, there, there, were, there were several uh, that sort of came at that time. Um, the Paris book, the original publisher, uh, I'd been showing him the work and for quite some time. He had actually approached me to do the book when he saw the work I was doing in Paris. And when it came time to finally lay out the book and he was surrounded by all of these strong women, even if they were this big, you know, but they, they were these incredibly strong women. He's, and he was a, a Parisian guy who had moved to Santa Fe and I was in Santa Fe and we were starting to do the final layout. And he literally just sat down on the floor in the middle of this pile of photographs. And he said, these are not my women of Paris. The initial idea was to name the, the book Ma Petite Femme de Paris. You know, he's, he, he's Parisian. And he said, these are, these are not my women of Paris. My, my women of Paris wear Chanel and they don't look like this. And he referred particularly to one photograph that I had that was a, a woman on a Paris rooftop and she's in sort of crisscrossing leather. I don't even know what they are because I'm just that vanilla. I don't know. I, I take the photos, I don't know. Then uh, she's smoking and it's a beautiful misty gray sky. And he looked at that photograph and he said, she belongs in some club in Berlin or something. She, she's not, she, she was Parisian. She, she was as Parisian as, as he is, but it triggered something for him. Wow. And again, the, the path towards opening all of the doors that were important to open to let women speak in these photographs because every time the women speak in these photographs i find a little bit more of my voice and mm. so, so that's that. sort of weaving together a bunch of different things but it's 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 been a journey mm -hmm. and it's so funny my pen literally i was writing what you just said and my pen gave out ink i had to get another pen mm -hmm. but you said let women speak in the photographs and with each photograph, it was amplifying you, or you were able, you were freer in your voice. Yeah, because I, one of the biggest reasons that I do the work that I do is to see the spectrum, because it helps me put my little tiny dot you know, somewhere on that spectrum. And the spectrum gives me a, a certain type of accessibility to my own emotions. And, you know, and, and to see this wide, wide, wide spectrum of you know, what women have been willing to share with me, um, what, what an astonishing thing to see just you know, how, how vanilla and how, <laughs> but I'm just a tiny point on that spectrum and that's fine. You know, the, the fact that the spectrum exists is, uh, it's just mind blowing to me. Well, I'll have to throw out another quote um, <clears throat> who is from uh, a pal and uh, someone I highly regard, Vince Aletti, and who is a, a gay uh, man, a collector, an art critic, uh, a writer, author, amazing. And so in this aperture, um, it's the spring 2015, 
he writes, um, and, he, and he actually refers to some of his work that was on view in um, Ontario. Uh, and his description is this, and I quote, queer doesn't have a look, a size, a sex. Queer resists boundaries and refuses, refuses to be narrowly defined. Queer is hungry, insatiable, unsettling and exciting, unforgettable. And, and in here, um, Catherine Opie, a uh, lesbian photographer, um, actually on the cover, she's in here, the same photograph is on the cover of her nursing her son here. Um, she writes that it's in this episode of Aperture looking at queerness, she said, there's a fluidity to gender and sexuality, which was less a component of the conversation 30 years ago. So, you know, what you're talking about as a spectrum um, is fascinating to, to witness its evolution. And, uh, and I love that you're using the camera to discover your place on that spectrum. Um, it also reminds me of something that I came across, Zanelli Mahuli, the South African lesbian. Uh, well, she is actually uh, gender fluid, but um, refers to herself as they, uh, started to document the lesbian history in South Africa because of the violence and wanting it to be a document. And she definitely um, echoed Gordon Parks, which is this idea that the camera can be a weapon against all sorts of social wrongs. That's a quote from Gordon Parks. I saw the camera could be a weapon against all sorts of social wrongs. And Zanelli Maholi picked up the camera. And two things I think are important. She talks about photography does not have a gender. And the other thing, which is very uh, like your work, she said, I don't refer to my subjects as subjects. I refer to them as participants because they partake in this journey. So could you speak to that part but about the co-collaborating that you do, that your models are actually relationships first, not unlike um, what Mona Kuhn was talking about last week? Yeah, um, I, I would love to do that. But one thing, well, two things I'd like to say about what you just said, the Zanelli Mahali, uh, Another quote that she had that I thought was so amazing, um, I came across recently, someone asked her why she does self-portraits. And she said, this is my pain. Mm. This, this is my pain. You know, to bring someone else into the process, it wouldn't be authentic. It, you know, but the idea that she is sharing her pain. And the, the other part is uh, Gordon Parks, also was a huge inspiration for me to go spend time in Paris because he spoke so eloquently about what Paris does to people, um, what it can be for people. Um, he talked about how the, the gentleness uh, would, it felt like snowflakes to him in, of discrimination falling away, uh, that it was, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was I, so. I have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Because here's what he said. He describes it in his memoir of 1990, Voices in the Mirror. And this is Gordon Parks. He said, I, I needed Paris. I needed Paris. Totally relate. It was a feast, a grand carnival of imagery. And immediately everything good there seemed to offer sublimation to those inner desires that had for so long been hampered by racism back in America. For the first time in my life, I was relaxing from tension and pressure. My thoughts continually rampaging against racial conditions were suddenly becoming as peaceful as snowflakes. Yes. Slowly, a curtain was dropping between me and those soiled years. Those soiled. Was, yeah, soiled years. I was moving through centuries of history and not unaware of the possibility of its helping in shaping my future. Being a part of it was like feeling at once young and old. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and I change a few words. It's exactly how I felt about uh, homophobia and sexual orientation, discrimination, and so on. And, and that, that history of Paris from the 20s and the 30s and the women of the left bank, and to be able to have all of these women sharing these amazing experiences together in Paris. So um, yeah, I just wanted to riff on, on those two other things, but you, you asked about, yeah, you asked about collaboration and that's absolutely critical uh, to the work that I do because again, I, I wanna hear what these women have to say and listening to them just gives me a, a an incredibly graceful space mm -hmm. to, to understand and, and listen to myself. Um, there were very few times when I shoot, do I do any type of real direction or you know, bringing clothes or this or that or the other thing. I, I wanna hear what these women have to say. And, um, you know, I mean, occasionally I'll do some directing just based on the light. It, it's gotta be about the light. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't have, you know, the, the leather crisscrossy thing in the, in the ballet heels. <laughs> no, I, I don't. It's, it's, not, it's not my jam, it's not my thing. But that woman wanted to get up on the roof in Paris in the rain and smoke a cigarette and her confidence, I, I, I should pull the photo. I can share my screen, but go ahead, keep talking and I'll go over to the PDF, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, I, oh, it's probably in the PDF of the book. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I have a great, I have a, okay, it's, it's from the Paris book. Okay, I can go to Paris. That's okay. Hang on one sec. It's right behind it. I've got them both. It might take, I, that was a it big. Might, there's like 70 images here. So we're going to have to, um, we're going to have to scooch around, but hold on one second. I want to go to enter full screen. Oh, wait, brought me, that's Polaroids, right? Yeah. Thanks. Stop that share. We'll get it. So I want this one. Hang on. I just think it's weird. Hold on. Maybe because I have them on the same. Let me just go check something. There we go. So I want you in front. Okay. Almost there. 
think it's gonna work. Yay. Now we just have to go to view. Okay, so we're looking at Paris. Okay, can I just aside before we go look for that photograph? So I have a thing with Paris um, and always have. Um, and I was very fortunate to, I studied in Switzerland my junior year of college, but I also was studying design at the Fashion Institute of Technology and got to spend a summer in Paris. And I had to put my New York job on hold for the six weeks that I was away. And when I came back and my job um, moved, um, the, the agency moved from the Upper East Side where it had been in a brownstone to a building on Park Avenue. And I'm walking up from the subway to Park Avenue and everybody and their brother is looking at the ground and everybody's rushing. And I was like, oh my God, I miss Paris. And it took me so long to like readjust and I couldn't quite, you know, it's that difference between like Oz and Kansas. I was like, what's going on? And so I finally came up with my description of Paris and I said, Paris is foreplay. <laughs> like who wouldn't want to be in that situation? So anyway, that's my description, but here we go. Let's go into that. It's a good one. And there, there we see John Wood's uh, introduction, which I quoted from. And he also talks, I loved this part about Walt Whitman. Look at that. Walt Whitman understood the erotic was its own justification and that there was no shame in it or its varied sexual expressions. Yeah. So you can, I'm going to go through and we'll stop on that one um, image. And if you want to say anything about any imagery or stop me, Please do. Yeah, I, I, we can leave that for the you know, questions if people have questions about particular images and such. I, I just wanted to use this one as an illustration of what really sets some people off because the image that we're looking for, not only did the first publisher of the book walk away, but it was one of a 20, a set of 20 or so that another very well-known photographer told me, do not ever publish this. Your, your, your career will be over. It's, it's not a particularly explicit image, but uh, the confidence that this woman shows is, uh, I suppose, just very, very threatening to people. People commented in their reviews of this book, um, your use of movement in the frame, which is really evident here. Yeah, again, uh, part and parcel of trying to understand the things we don't really see. These, these emotional, sexual, psychological things that take, take place on the periphery of our understanding. And, and to me, the use of movement was a way of uh, visually vocalizing that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, and also stirring, right? Yeah. You know, I, uh, while we're doing this, uh, I'll throw in another quote. Um, I recently discovered a uh, wonderful, marvelous uh, French painter by the name of Gregory Forstner. And I went to his vernissage the other day in Montpellier and I was thumbing through one of his books. Uh, and I read a quote that he wrote that just rocked me to the core. It was just incredible. So you'll, you'll love this. The quote is, Desire needs context. And it, it just completely floored me. It's so 
it's just three words you know, that absolutely just pulls the curtain back to me on so many things about what I do, about the, the, the way we all see the world. Desire needs context. Um, there's just, there's so much there. It, it really, um, I, I think it sort of foundationally changes the way that I'm looking at a lot of things mm -hmm. because I wanted this context. You know, when, mm -hmm. when I was younger and I was coming out and I didn't have people to look at or look to and, and you know, I had no context for my desire. And mm -hmm. it just, the, the, the idea of framing your outlook like that, um, it, it just yeah. incredibly powerful to me. Talking about empowerment, um, you know, there was, I had, um, I, I referenced in my research also, I'm not sure if I can pick up this book from here, but say, is um, this really, really amazing book um, that I found through, um, in Mona Kuhn's works, they have a bibliography and this book was in there and I got it and I've been learning from it and it's really good. It's by Tenzin Hudson and Natalie Hirschdorfer is a curator and did that work because we're in such a evolutionary time. And let me just get what she said because I really appreciated that frame. She said, depicting a woman as herself rather than as a desirable ideal. The sexualized and stereotyped body is now being tackled by the female gaze. And she talks about what makes bodies unique is their vulnerability. And I just thought, you know, this idea of desire needs context uh, really helps set the frame for the difference between erotic art and pornography. Yeah, uh, it's, there are just so many new ways and new tools we have to think about this, to think about what we need. Uh, let's stop on this one photo because I do want to come back to this. We'll, we'll talk about this photograph of the woman in the ropes that I photographed from the roof looking down. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to very much come back to that uh, and talk about collaboration. Okay, so oops, let's say, hang on. Or actually, you know, I, I guess we could do it right now while uh, Oh, you want to go on it? Okay. Okay, so this, this photograph is sort of the, uh, the highlight of collaboration. Um, I've been shooting with this model uh, a number of times by this point, you know, maybe over the course of a year or two. Stunning woman, absolutely fabulous to work with. Um, wonderful, wonderful. A number of us were out at a cafe one night in... Uh, I, probably Mamacha, I think. And, you know, she was with us and a number of different people and we were at a burlesque show or something. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, she started talking about ropes and ropes this and ropes that. And it's like, okay, what's, the, what's that about? That's great, okay. Um, and I woke up the next morning and I realized what she was saying to me was that's her thing. And so I called her up and I said, okay, go get rope or have, bring your rope or whatever. And, you know, come over at three o'clock this afternoon and we'll shoot. Well, apparently this had been a thing for her for forever. 
she had never told a single soul. She hadn't told the husband. She hadn't told the lover. <laughs> she, she hadn't told that. She basically taught herself how to tie herself up online. And this was her thing. And, and she wanted, this, this was her shoot. This was her idea. And because so many of us became close and stayed in touch, when I shot her a few years later uh, down in Southern France in the Ramatuel by Saint-Tropez, by the time she arrived, all the other women that I was shooting with there, oh, so-and-so, oh, you're here, great, let's tie you to a pole. <laughs> it's like, okay, great, great, okay, fabulous. You know, it's like, you wanna share that with me? You want me to share that with the world? Again, I'm that tiny little dot on, on the linear, on, on the spectrum, and I can't thank you enough for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you gave her desire context. Uh, and, 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 and my own, it, it may not be that or you know some of the other things I photograph, mm -hmm. but listening to the, the, the wiring, you know, I mean, the, the way that we're all wired, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's become kind of a trite phrase, you know, the, the heart wants what the heart wants and, you know, the body wants what the body wants. But we need to listen to that stuff because there is no shame in it. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, desire needs context. Mm -hmm. and, and that self-censorship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just um, passed the uh, photo that um, a slightly cropped version is on the cover. And, uh, you know, I have to thank my cover, uh, the woman with the Eiffel Tower on the balcony. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, yeah exactly. And I have to thank my cover model there for, you know, teaching me the uh, six twist uh, thing on the bottle of champagne. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the confidence to know that you have to send the champagne back if it's not cold enough, even if it takes three times, so. <laughs> both, both very important things to know. Very, very important. So hmm. is there one, I guess I don't have the full book. Oh, nope, maybe, I don't know. No, that's it. Um, I'm sorry, we must have blown right past the photo that I was trying to uh, explain about. Go very quickly back. I saw one rooftop. No, yeah, there, there were many, many but rooftops. Many. Let's yeah. There it is. Oh, wait, okay, go back. Yeah, it was this, the next page. There you go. Ah, so this one on the left, it's, it's a little difficult to see because it's small. Um, oh, sorry. Whoop. Where is that? Okay, hold on. Why did it stop my share? There we go. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I am. Okay, good. It, it bumped my computer off. Sorry. Turning my phone off, but go ahead. So sorry, the one on the left. Yeah, and it's this, smaller. This, 
this photograph was sort of the tipping point for my first publisher to walk away. It, it's tough to see because it's a little small, but she's got a cigarette in her mouth. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Parisian publisher looked at that photo and said, she belongs in a club in Berlin. She's not a woman of Paris. Mm -hmm. And I basically walked out the door. I grabbed my dog. I got back in the car. I drove back to LA. And, and that was that for the first public, first person that wanted to publish the book. Um, how, how did you find your publisher? I'm going to go over to Polaroids, but go ahead. Tell us how um, you yeah, uh, Alex is uh, wonderful. He's just a mad evil genius. Um, he really appreciates uh, the beauty of book craftsmanship. And I, I've also created a few uh, handmade books in Kyoto um, that, that I just love, you know, Japanese uh, bookmaking. And the Polaroids book is going to have a sort of Japanese open sewn spine. Um, Alex and I started talking, uh, I think it was over Facebook and, um, you know, we just, uh, became friends with one another and he said, you know, maybe sometime I'll publish one of your books. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's great. That's, um, you know, the, let's, let's definitely stay in, in touch and talk. And, um, when this other publisher and I parted ways, you know, I, I got back in touch with Alex and I said, um, you know how you were talking about maybe wanting to work together well it might there might be an opportunity sooner than we than we expected because um paris and i are, are free agents at the moment so uh, let's chat awesome and i do think this is such an interesting design and we'll put in um a link to the pre-order um on our on our summary tell us about the choice of how these are bordered? Well, the, it's the actual scan of a Polaroid type 55 positive. Mm -hmm. So for, for folks that don't know about uh, this particular type of Polaroid, uh, it went out of existence, oh, I think more than 10 years ago. But people were coveting uh, these little boxes, these little blue boxes of type 55 that I think had 20 sheets in a box. And I was lucky enough to be gifted with some of them. And when I, when I started taking more erotic work and I started meeting more people who were interested in the work that I was doing at that level um, in Los Angeles, I had a friend show up at my door in Laurel Canyon one day hand me a box and it was a converted polaroid 110 the uh, camera with a four by five back now my background is photojournalism and to me you know running around with a 35 millimeter camera and nikon fm you know i i even call what i do now erotic journalism so when he handed me this camera with a bellows and a four by five back i i just laughed i i'm the least technically oriented person on the planet and he said, no, you, you need to shoot with this camera. And I, I thought he was insane. I, I thought he, I, again, I've been gifted with these evil mad geniuses uh, as friends. Um, I, I've just been incredibly lucky that way. So I started shooting with it. And um, these uh, scans are of the positive. The, the type 55 gives a positive and a negative. So what we're doing, um, I have a, a concurrent exhibit uh, alongside Helmut Newton in the fall when these books come out and we'll be, what we'll be exhibiting 
from the Polaroids there will probably be silver gelatin prints from the negatives. So, uh, but there was something about these positives that just so resonated for me. Um, the framing, the, 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 the antique sort of feeling of it, the, um, the, the classical black and white. <laughs> the, the fact that I was able to figure out how to work the camera. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that's really serendipitous that someone else was like, wait, here's a tool that I think will open a lens for you. Like, that's kind of incredible. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Again, I, I, as, as I, as I mentioned to you in the beginning, like your generous heart doing this and giving me this platform, his generous heart, uh, just so huge and, and, and gracious and kind to think that I, we had never even talked about it. It had never even come up in conversation. So for him to just show up at my door in Laurel Canyon one day with this contraption. <laughs> That's so fun. It really is. Um, I talk to people often about the layers of choices. Um, and I really try to dial it back because a lot of photographers are overriding some decisions because they have assumptions or it could be either habit or trend or instruction about the way something should be. But when you are dealing with the image, the what I call output decisions are equally as important as all the ones that got you as far as getting an image. And, and you can't like let go until you're really synchronizing all that. Or if you do synchronize it, you will automatically impact the strength of the image. Yeah, I, you know, tools, tools are tools, um, but they, they definitely, you know, I mean, shooting with this Polaroid was a whole different experience than uh, just a DSLR. Um, the, the deliberateness, the the preciousness of each little sheet of film. Um, mm -hmm. it, it just was a, a different and, and you know, gloriously soothing way to shoot. <laughs> I like that, the preciousness of each sheet because you know, so many people born of the digital revolution click first and think later. And that was not an option for people. Uh, and that practice uh, of framing as you're taking the image and being involved in that level of co-creation with your tool makers is, is, is important. And going outside your comfort zone, picking up a different lens is really important. Yeah. Uh, you know, I encourage people on the call, if you don't have a friend that's showing up with a new one, rent something, but try different formats and see what happens because it really influences. So these are mostly the United States. Now I get this. Yeah. And West Coast, yeah. Yeah, um, a, a lot right around Los Angeles. Um, this was on the, the deck of my house in, in the canyon. Um, they were a couple at the time. So that's another thing, you know, I, the fact that 
people were willing to share their authenticity and their connection and their passion is <laughs> we're, we're not in Kansas anymore and I'm definitely not practicing law anymore. And I'm definitely um, just my mind, my heart it has, they've been blown apart and, and put back together. And uh, I, I just, these women that I've collaborated with, I, I can never thank them enough. What an incredible, as John Wood said, what a, what a gift. I mean, it, it's not just a gift to the viewer. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge recipient of this gift. Well, it's interesting. You're making me think of a trilogy and that brings me back to when I spoke to Donna Ferrato uh, a couple of weeks ago and the idea of the Trinity being um, a sense of freedom for all three, for you as the maker, as the participant and her freedom to be and express, and then um, us as the viewer is, uh, is a powerful trilogy. Yeah, that was a wonderful talk with Donna. I, I've admired her work for, I was going to say years, but it's really decades. So it, it was just lovely to watch that. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I love this because you did send me the video and um, I couldn't show all of the different things, but, uh, you know, I liked being able to see you in action there, which this was very little this was the last one. This this was the last sheet of Polaroid. This this was the last image I've been able to get un, until I can figure out how to get more Type 55 or a different version of it. This was it. Wow. Yeah. And, and there we go. Yeah. That that actually that one was in France. So. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> You're definitely not in Kansas anymore. Here. <laughs> yeah, there, there aren't many things that old in Los Angeles. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, ne next up is actually the trip to Berlin uh, to see Alex and, and do the final layout of uh, Polaroids. And for Paris, we're, we're going to switch out uh, perhaps maybe 10 to a dozen of the images from the original book. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll do some shooting uh, of uh, some new Polaroids in, in Berlin, uh, but with the new the newfangled little Polaroid cameras. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Alex's idea is to do maybe 30 very, very special limited editions of the Polaroids with an actual original Polaroid on the cover, but we're, we're still working on that. So it's a, it's a work in progress as we speak. Aren't we all? Yes, truly. And I mean, who knows what serendipitousness is gonna, gonna happen from there. Um, I'm looking at our time and I'm happy to open this to questions and um, I know uh, Tony, you sent me a, a question, but do you want to ask or speak about what you wrote to me about to begin? You can unmute. Hey, sorry, I've unmuted. Are you talking to me? Tony, hi. Hi. Hi, Ronnie. 
I sent you a question. I, 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 I don't even know where it is now. I, it was a I, long... You got the letter. Can you read it out? I can read it. Yep. Hang on. Thanks. It's right here. Mm. Um, one second. It says, um, visual elements... You said... Um, no, sorry. That combines with something else. You said, I plan to attend the group today. I happen to live near Renee Jacob in, pa in France, and we have met. I admire her work. I work in several older photographic techniques. One of my heroes is Lee Miller. Me too. Me too. Unsung and, excuse me, the inventor of solarization not man ray not, not, not the inventor she's back no no but solarization has been going on 100 years but okay yeah, but she, she introduced it he saw it because it was a mistake and then put his name on it but anywho yeah, sorry, but no i give her credit absolutely please um so anyway we go back and i have more to say on lee miller but i won't go there okay one of my heroes is Lee Miller, and I wondered if Renee had considered working with solarization techniques, which Lee Miller frequently used. I see a close link between the work of Lee Miller and also Dora Marr, another of my heroes. I used to work a lot with Polaroid negative positive 5-4 film and even did some solarization with it in the day. I'd love to show Renee the methodology, but using current cheat film. See what I mean about resources like this stuff just happens. Other techniques I work with, which I believe would work very well with Renee's skills are carbon transfer printing and oritone. Is this of any interest? So I'm going to jump in and say, okay, if it is of interest and it happens, just exactly what you're doing, Renee, I'm coming and witnessing it and we're going to be drinking. Okay. That's all I want to say, but Tony, I'll be right over. I've got the bottle open. It's yeah, um, how, how lovely. Thank you, Tony. How kind of you to, to join in. And Tony and I, uh, yeah, we, we met um, briefly and I had been wanting to sort of reconnect and then the pandemic. And we actually chatted a little while ago because I had been bemoaning the loss of the, the Polaroid tools. And uh, Tony jumped in with his, uh, his wisdom and his encyclopedic knowledge of these things. So I, there are so many different um, techniques and from image making to book binding that just, you know, that's, I think, one of the wonderful things about Instagram is that you see all these incredible things uh, happening. Uh, I, I especially really tuned in lately to uh, bookmakers um, and, and how wonderful they are. But everything from um, the, the Polaroid, the transfers to um, cyanotypes to all of these other things, I would love to explore. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to when we can roam about the cabin a little bit more. And Tony, you're going to see me on your doorstep uh, at some point, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. That um, let me let me just show you if I if I can. Um, one of the things that I, I was talking about with the Japanese bookmaking, um, I had this made in Kyoto, uh, and it's just you know just a handmade book. Um, you know, and, and with beautiful washi paper and, you know, just all of these things, the, the magic of craftsmanship. Um, so yeah, I, I'm delighted to come visit Tony and I, I would love to explore these things. Um, it, it's funny because I, I've often thought that um, I, I've stayed in too narrow a, a zone technically, um, you know, with 
the you know the the, the Polaroids were were such a big branching out for me. But uh, you know, I I still am so rooted in running around with an Nikon FM and my Tri-X, uh, you know, doing photojournalism. I think the biggest uh, shift that I made from doing photojournalism to erotic journalism is now I, I photograph a lot more verticals than landscapes. So <laughs> not, not, not much of a huge change, but um, Tony, that, that's very gracious. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming over. Me too, please come. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there's questions coming up in the chat. Anyone who wants to unmute and ask, please do. Rick, do you want to ask your question? Um, yes. Hi, Renee. Hi, Rick. <laughs> I was just uh, saying, uh, when will we see you back in LA anytime? Not, not in the near future. When Wendy is actually headed back. Um, we're the both of us. We're we're heading back to the states finally in mid July. Uh, we're going to uh, go see my parents in Miami. She's Florida. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, she's well, going to. Certainly hope to get over there to visit myself. It's the birth. It's uh, it's I'm due, but um, I just said also just your. I'm aware of how long it took and how much dedication and how much effort it took to get you where you are there in southern France, and uh, and it's been an inspiration and it's really been a a pleasure for me to watch that whole process because I know none of it was easy. <laughs> you, you you saw some of it up close and personal in the canyon as as the various meltdowns the, the moving meltdowns were happening so well i recognized some of the locations too that was fun yeah the, the, the pictures on the back deck and so you know yeah well thanks for joining us today rick we're so lovely to see you likewise and yeah. give my best to, to wendy yeah I will, and and of course, if we do make it back to LA, I'll I'll give you L. Well, and likewise, when I make it over there, I'll you know stay in touch. Sure. I got a question, Renee. Oh, hi there. God, this is like old home week. <laughs> hi. What what really gets me about your photographs is the joy, and you don't. You don't see joy very much in photography these days and having fun and, and playing with the camera and playing with photographs and being joyful and expressing sensuality and sexuality. And, um, you know, I, I think about why eroticism is so often maligned in the art world. And I just figure because it's so powerful, it's so powerful and it's, it intimidates people. So especially, you know, photographs of, of women expressing themselves sexually and erotically and being creative with it and playing with the, the photographer and the camera is somehow threatening. <laughs> I don't know, but it's so it's so joyful. And it's it's obvious that you're you're interacting with them on a very playful level. And that just radiates through the pictures. That, that's so sweet, Jason. And of course, I, I love your work. Um, you know, we, we've had a, a lovely mutual uh, uh, admiration society going for, for several <laughs> years. And I, and I just love it. And I'm, I'm so delighted you're here. And it, it's interesting to hear that because um, 
you know, John Wood actually wrote about that uh, in, in the introduction to Paris. He said, you know, how often do you actually, do you, does a photograph make you laugh or smile? Um, and it's interesting because I never thought about my work that way because I, I okay, it's, it's time to take the space for some truth telling. I mean, so much of the work for me, to me, is motivated by loss and longing. So the fact that there is any joy there at all is, um, it means I'm letting myself have it. You know, I'm, I'm letting myself step out from the self-loathing, you know, that, that happens when you're in the closet for many years. And, you know, it, it's, it's important for me to hear this and, and I so appreciate it. Um, but it really, for me, I mean, not only in my own work, but in work that I usually like from other photographers, the twin motivators really are loss and longing. And I, um, I uh, it, 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 it really starts to unpack the emotional stuff. Um, you know, people often ask me, uh, you know, can a man take a good picture of a woman? It's like, a man can take a, a good picture of a woman and of course women can take shitty pictures of women there's no debate about that and and i have to laugh because my favorite photograph of a woman of all time is edward buba's lella i mean i i don't know you know it, it's worth researching that photo if, if people don't know it but i don't know why anyone bothered photographing women after that photograph it, to me it says everything there is to say about a woman in a photograph intelligence, longing, lust, loss, um, just, just all of it. Um, and uh, so I, it's, it's interesting for me to circle back around and hear people discuss joy in the photographs because the, the, the joy has, the joy of living, you know, through this has been, you know, it's that sliver of light, you know, that, that, that we allow ourselves to stand in. And, and it takes a long time for some of us to get there. So it's, um, it, it's really delightful to hear you say that. There's also a really big difference between the way that you photograph nude women and the way that Mona Kuhn does. Mona Kuhn photographs people in a distance and sort of puts them on a pedestal and makes them sort of porcelain perfection and they're all, all, almost always young. And I, I look at her work and I think of the male gaze. I think of Jock, Jock Sturges and, and other people who sort of put them at a distance and be unreachable. And your, your nudes and the way that you photograph women, they're approachable, they're real, they're right in front of you, they're electric, they're alive, they have real emotion and they're really, you, your presence is, is uh, felt in the interaction that, that you have with your model? Well, I, you know, I think there's a space for all different views and, and women looking at women. Um, you know, it, it, it's always a, a worthwhile exercise. I, you know, I can only speak to what I needed to see, I needed to hear, I needed to feel, I needed to understand. And, you know, I, this work for me was oxygen. I mean, I, I could either, yeah, you know, I, I could either embrace and enjoy and accept who I was, 
or I could continue. You know, I mean, let, let, let's put this in, in, in some context. My mere existence was illegal in almost half the states of America until 2006. I couldn't get married till I was in my 50s. I, what do you do with that? What do you do with a country with a population that's telling you that? You know, where do you find the joy in that? Um, so, you know, the fact that these women were so outrageously themselves, I, it's just an incredible gift. Um, yeah, so th there, there is joy, and I, I need to, I need to be okay with that. <laughs> so I really appreciate um, you, you bringing it back to that. Well, and it's delightful to see you. So. And you too. I, I am thinking of the fact that, um, in terms of the twin motivators being loss and longing. Um, we don't do grief well in any way, shape, or form as humans, really, for a long time. But if you are to do grief work or go through that work, um, I do believe joy is a result because it's free. It's freedom. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that you bring that up. And um, I don't know, Renato, do you want to unmute and, and share what you did in chat, which echoes this? Not sure. I know that I think I got an email saying you are hiking. So I'm not sure you're able to do anything techno right now, but okay. So it came through the chat, which said from Renato, I really appreciate that you are an artist being true to yourself. Thank you, Renato. Thanks for joining us today too. And I'm, I'm wondering about if I were to paraphrase what you just said, um, you basically talk about standing in your own light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and again, there, as, as a human, as a photographer, there, there are so many layers of, of what that means for us. So, yeah, yeah. Could I just add one more thing? Please. It's Esther Perel, the sex therapist, who says the erotic is the antidote to death. <laughs> Which I, I really like that quote because it brings back that, that springing together of life and joy and eroticism. Say it again, yeah. erotic is the what? He says the erotic is an antidote to death. Specifically, she was talking about uh, working with a couple that was a survivor in Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. Well, and actually John um, Wood does get to that. I don't have the PDF up, but if you read the full introduction to Paris, he talks about the life-affirmingness of erotic activity as well as art. So yeah, he definitely underscores that. And um, I'm curious if we have other questions um, you're reading that too. Good. Thank you, Glenn. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because um, if I could raise or think more or we could talk more about 
um, a female, like a gendered gaze. Is there, is there an ability, like Zanella Maholi says, there isn't gender to photography. Um, but I can tell from my own experience of when I have been on set, I definitely felt that. Um, I felt, uh, it's John Berger. Um, what does he say? I've got it somewhere. Um, to be naked is to be oneself. To be nude is to be seen naked by others, was his quote. And I think this idea of... Um, I have been in the situation working with photographers where I felt I was witnessing gratuitous titillation happening. And, and I, I'll just be blunt and say that I used to say like, uh oh, here we go, tits and ass. And it was like, who is gonna photograph without that lens? Um, and, um, I don't have an answer for that. I don't think that I found that in, yeah, you know, in for, terms of these. For, for, for me, again, the most important thing is listening to what the women I'm photographing want to say. Um, I, I have so much more that I want to hear than what I want to say. Um, I, you know, I, I need to hear all of this. Um, and it's that collaboration that is the most important thing to me. Um, Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Hello? Yep. Sorry about that before. I had to figure this out. Um, I just I really appreciate what you're doing and that you're being true to yourself. Do you ever think that you might consider um, photographing women as they get older? All the, the ones that, that you photograph are, are beautiful models. Um, but women as they age and men as they age, so many things come into play. And I, I just wondered if you'd consider doing a series as women as they get a little bit older. Um, I've uh, photographed uh, for, for both these books, women from their 30s into their 60s. I mean, we're, we're oh, did you really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I posted a Polaroid on my Instagram the other day of a woman who... 60, yeah, 60 something. Um, you know, I, I photograph the women who come to me uh, for the most part. And, you know, um, I wanna hear what, what they have to say. I, I don't try and artificially form series where, um, you know, I'm gonna photograph this concept or that concept or the other concept. Uh, usually it's driven by location. Um, you know, with the Paris book, I, I, I have a body of work on Italy that I'll turn into a book once I'm able to, to travel a bit. Um, but I, I, I admire photographers that conceptualize in series, but I'm, I'm not really one of them. Um, and I, you know, I, the, the stories that people, that women are telling me are enough. You know, I, my, my uh, experience is, is enough. You know, I, um, what the, the repression and, and things that I'm trying to wrestle to the ground are, are plenty. Um, so I, I, you know, I photograph what's sort of relevant to me in, in, in that, um, uh, that dialogue, I guess. Um, 
you know, uh, maybe things will change. I, you know, when I was doing photojournalism, I never thought that I'd want to do anything else. I, I remember at the main photo workshop, somebody giving a, a presentation on some kind of conceptual fine art photography. And uh, he, he said that he got there because he, he got bored with uh, photojournalism. And I was so offended. I couldn't imagine that anyone would ever get bored of photojournalism <laughs> and, and want to do anything else. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know, for 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 right now, the um, you know the the issues, uh, the emotional issues that I'm trying to wrestle with, um, you know, I'm I'm delighted with the women uh, who come to me, you know, uh, with what they want to share. Well, you handle it very well. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, Trisha. I Trisha, I see you here and I just have to grab this. I'm not going to share necessarily, but on my bookshelf. <laughs> so thank you for coming and thank you. I was, I did a on the side portfolio review with Trisha and where were we? Palm Springs Photo Festival. And very graciously, she gave me one of her handmade books. Beautiful generosity and talk about a journey um yeah um is what it is all about for me you know um when you say a kind heart i think what goes around comes around and i also think that there's enough for everyone and uh and that's just an orientation so good to see you here and um i want to call out other people but i'm trying not to so i'm just going to encourage anyone to, to speak up because you're here because you're curious. So let us hear a question. If yeah. you have. Thank you. I realized I was on mute that whole time. Thank you, Sabella. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, you use the camera as self-exploration. Yes. So I, I'm such a Zoom uh, newbie. I, I see these numbers at the bottom and I, I see chat uh, eight. Does that mean that eight people have questions or? Uh, have they written things like, thank you. Thank you for the great conversation. Someone had to go. Um, someone else had to go um, to another Zoom. I, um, yeah, they're just, it's a way of us being able to. So I, I've asked most people to speak up if I see it in there and I see them on. Um, this is like the International Space Station to me here in remote Southwest France. <laughs> this is this is high tech stuff. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the way of now for sure. I actually one of our um, hosts, one of our guests was um, Vivian Poulard from the Netherlands, and and our Zoom was her first Zoom ever, and I think it was last fall, and it was just like. How did you live the last nine or eight, nine months without it? Because, yeah, I was super much on it. But um, can I put someone on the spot? Um, Ralph, I'm going to call you out because you're a male photographing female nudes as a subject. So what can you add to our conversation? I know you came in not at the very beginning, so you missed a lot of our frame. And you don't have to, but I'm curious because it's an explanation.
I'm a New Yorker. I get very direct and I do put <laughs> it out there. Ralph, you're unmuted, but I don't know if you'll come on and ask. I think it's a challenge. For men to move through the layers of relationship that maybe are possible, like the level of trust that you engender, Renee, with your participants might be hard. Yeah, I, you know, Again, it, it's carving out a space to listen to what people want to tell you. And, and there are plenty of photographers that, that don't feel that way. You know, they, I, I often read um, bios of photographers where they say, you know, this is my vision. I want to tell the world, you know, how I see things and how I see the world. And, you know, and, and that's fine. That's valid. Um, you know, the, 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 I've come at it from a different angle. You know, I, I, I want to hear uh, more, than, more than speak. When do you think that that became so clear to you? When I, like it's on, yeah, you turned something and well, when I when I first started photographing women who were just so authentic and so uh, in their own skin and. Um, you know, I, it, it's not something we're, we're used to. Um, we're not used to being those women. We're not used to being around those women. We're not used to loving those women. We're not used to encouraging those women. So, you know, I, I, again, it so crystallized for me when I had a couple of men in positions of power tell me that one woman in particular wasn't supposed to look a certain way in my photographs. Um, I think my head just exploded at that point, mm -hmm. um, you know, because you're, you're not talking about me and my work. You're talking about who this woman is and how she is allowed to exist in the world. And, you know, because I didn't create that photograph, um, you know, from, from soup to nuts from the ground up. I listened to how she wanted to present herself and, and the things that she brought with her and how she wanted to pose and, and stand and, and, and her body language. And, you know, when somebody tells me, <laughs> you can't publish that photograph, you know, or you'll have no art career, what you're saying is that woman doesn't have a right to express herself that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a number of things like that happen. And, um, you know, it, it just sort of made my head explode. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to, we've just got a minute, but do you want to say something about um, Photo de Femme? Sure. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, you know, the, uh, I can't remember who it was that asked about, you know, would I photograph this, that, or the, uh, the other thing or uh, different women. Um, and because my photo practice is so specific to the questions I'm trying to answer for myself, um, Wendy and I actually created a, a photo festival called Photo de Palm, and we take submissions from all around the world. We, we only had started and, and got one show off the ground before the pandemic. Well, actually, we had a couple of shows. That's not true. But uh, our first standalone exhibit uh, was right before the exhibit, uh, right before the pandemic. And um, it's all about 
positive and empowering images of women and girls. And we wanna see the broad diversity of uh, photographs, empowering photographs of women and girls from around the world. So in, in, in every genre of photography and every uh, genre of photographer, um, you know, every, every person on the, the spectrum, uh, every type of work. And we do that, we'll, we'll, we'll start it up again next year. And we do uh, these traveling exhibits at Chateau in France, and we've had them appear at other photo festivals like in Porto, but uh, it's, it's all of a piece, again, sort of giving voice to different women, different experiences and, and so on. I like that um, we have a link that we'll put with our summary, but you write about the um, being unapologetic, which I appreciate. Yeah, uh, and and God, it it takes a long time to get there. You know, it's like if someone had told my 22 year old self in, in that photo I posted on Instagram the other day that at one point I'd be sitting in the south of France with my wife, <laughs> drinking champagne, talking to you know someone with such a kind and generous heart that. You know, there's been a lot of a talk lately, you know, with Pride Month about what the term ally means. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is it. This is how we become allies for one another. Just really having the, the kind of generous heart. I mean, I, I literally almost fell over when I saw what you posted on Instagram with the reel of all of, you know, all these erotic photographs. I turned to Wendy and I was just like, okay, th this... It was just, it was kick-ass, Sib. It was really, it was a badass thing to do. It was a generous thing to do. And it was really, really generous. Well, I, I number one, I hope I am badass. But number two, as I told you, you got me kicked off Facebook for the day when I was today um, because I put both my flip of nude, the book, I mean, body, I keep wanting calling it nude, um, and yours. And it was so funny because every day, um, Matilda and I were like, are they taking me off Instagram? Are they taking it? And I've gotten through Instagram for like four days and I didn't get through Facebook for 12 hours. Um, but say la vie. But my thing is, um, Allie ship, uh, Allie, I, my, my kids, uh, you know, last year at this time we were making posters and one of them is Allie, ally is a verb you know i mean if you're not actively changing expanding perspective challenging parameters um then you're part of the problem so i take it as a responsibility that i welcome because as i said if i leave you with more questions or if i pushed you out of your comfort zone then i've done my job well, you, you wear it beautifully, darling. You wear it beautifully, so. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, I guess I'd say too, you know, I mean, my my history is, is as circuitous as yours. And I had a dozen years in a completely different field that I paid dearly for to um, earn that and pay for that education. And it is still part of what I do because it's part of how I see. But um, I'm standing in my own space because I call myself a visual activist because I really do believe that photography changes not only in the individual, just like we talk about the use of it for you, for Zanelli Maholi, 
for Gordon Parks and like Gordon Parks and Frederick Douglass uh, refer to, it has the power to change our collective um, because it actually pushes us to hold space to see things beyond where they are. So that very thing that your 22 year old self didn't have, you are now giving to a 22 year old somewhere else. And that's the way, that's the way it should be. You can only hope, you know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So do we have any last question? And then I always hate to end. I really suck at that, but I, <laughs> I do have to, but any last, I'm definitely the last one to leave the party. And I, and I laugh because I think about at Sinners, I was running around because there's a lot that goes on at Paris Photo and I'm like, crap, I have to get over to that. And I did, but then I also got swept into dinner with all of you and all <laughs> these women from LA and it was awesome. So such a great night. I was the last to leave there too, yeah. So anything from anyone? Okay, well, if not, thank you so much. Thank you, Renee. Hi to Wendy. Bisou. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs>